You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey there, welcome to episode 189 of the Soul Forge podcast. Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. Hey folks, it's Sean back at you here with another episode of The Soul Forge. And this week I have another interview. This time it's with a Canadian celebrity. We've got the King of Obsolete. And who is that, you may ask? Well, that's Joey Barnes, and you may know him from Season 7 and 8 of Ice Road Truckers. Basically, in a remote corner of Manitoba, Joey, the King of Obsolete Barnes, has deemed his plot of land the Kingdom, and it's filled with vintage cats and trucks from the 1930s all the way to the 1970s. Many of the vehicles are rarities, and he's re-engineered many of them into his own unique pieces of equipment. I had the chance to speak with Joey this past weekend, and he's quite a fascinating guy, and he's uh, written a bunch of books, which we, you will hear in the uh, forthcoming interview. During lockdown, he's actually written books five through nine, so he's got quite a few of them, and you can uh, find those in the links on the show notes and on Amazon and everywhere else. So what I'm going to do is play a promo for another podcast here on the ESO Network, and then we'll just get right into the chat, and uh, I'll come back at the end and wrap it all up. Claire here with a special announcement. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't cancel Dr. Geek's Laboratory. It fell into development purgatory thanks to MacGuffinite crystals or some such science from fiction nonsense. I've put an end to that. I locked all the staff inside the laboratory for the duration of the crisis. Now they can create 24-7 without petty distractions like home lives or free will. Look for new Dr. Geek episodes coming soon. The gay dynamics last up against the wall when the robots rise. Hey, SoulForge listeners, we've got a special guest for you today. We've got an author, and his name is Joey Barnes. Welcome to the show, Joey. Oh, thank you very much. From the end of the world at minus 42 Celsius, so that is cold in America. Yes, it is. I I, I believe that uh, at minus 40, that's both uh, Celsius and Fahrenheit, so it's a pretty similar temperature for, for both Americans and Canadians. It's cold. Where exactly? Yeah, that, other than the time change, that's about the only thing we have in common. Uh, where where are you anyway? You're uh, you're in uh, way up in northern Manitoba. Yes, that is correct. Up in northern Manitoba, 1,200 kilometers north of Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is the capital of the province. And we live in Lynn Lake, Manitoba, and I live in a 10 by 30 shack down by the tracks in a gated community. Hmm, is there a, a big population there, or is it pretty uh, pretty tiny? Uh, it was a mining town of 3,500. Now we're down to about 584 uh, welfare people, and they're hoping that mining comes back here. Is that likely? Uh, we hope with the world economy and what's going on around the world, we'll have to be mining resources in North America, period. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Uh, and so you're actually not from Lynn Lake. You, you were uh, born and raised somewhere further south? Yes, I was born just north of Minot, North Dakota, called Brandon, Manitoba. And growing up in Brandon, we always lived in fear of the nuclear missiles of Minot, North Dakota military base. So you got the heck out of there and you moved way up north. Yes, after my divorce, I came north and kind of made it life for myself, living at the end of the world and, you know, living in survival. And so what what do you do, basically, uh, in, in a town of less than 600 people with uh, no real infrastructure? Well, I was doing winter roads and and repairs and everything like that. And then with the COVID-19 lockdown, I had to start writing books to supplement my income. And the books are being very profitable now on Amazon. Oh, good. That's that's. Awesome. Uh, now, actually, I, before today, I, I didn't know who you were until our mutual friend, Jason, who has been on this podcast several times before, uh, connected us. And he said that uh, he knows this guy, he's a writer, and uh, he'd be perfect for the podcast. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the, the kinds of books that you write? Well, these are my first books I've been writing sober. Uh, my first series of books, I was a professional drinker, so we had a lot of fun. But these new book series is the Naughty Natalie series. They're written from 1984 to 1986 when this lady was my girlfriend and we were 18 years old. Okay, so her, her name or her nickname was Naughty Natalie. And so you're writing a series of, I guess, memoirs or fictionalized accounts of uh, 1984 to 86? Um, basically, it's more of a history of the time era because in the 80s, life was simpler. We had no communication. We had VHS movies that we had to rewind before returning them. Um, we had a 37 Dodge hot rod truck, which I still own after all my divorces and separations. And we have a book called Love is Trust because she trusted me with her life and I trusted her because the truck would do 145 miles an hour. So you, you had to be pretty trustful of each other, that's for sure. These these books, they're called uh, the Love is Trust series or that's just one title of one of the books? Like how many are there in the series? Well, there'll be four books when completed. I'm writing the fourth book right now. But the first book of the Naughty Natalie series is My Wasted Youth. And that's I'm um, growing up in a small town just outside of Alexander. And then I part ways with the town of Alexander when Naughty Natalie spent the night in my bedroom. And my mother didn't like that at the age of 17. Imagine that. <laughs> and uh, so whatever happened to Naughty Natalie? Is, is she still in your life? Uh, do you still talk to her? Is, is she disappeared from existence? What happened? The second book of the Naughty Natalie series is Love is Trust, and that's driving the 37 Dodge hot rod trucker in western Canada and going to Minot, North Dakota, and seeing the American lifestyle through our eyes of being 18 years old, because we could legally drink in Canada, but down in the States, we were still considered minors. And then we got mixed up with the bikers in Brandon, Manitoba, and another lady joined us, and then we got the third book of the series called Dominatrix School, and that's a failing military marriage and how the military didn't support the spouses at the time. And that's lady, his name is Liz, and she joined us. Hmm. Well, I haven't had a chance to read them, of course, because I just found out about, uh, well, you as a person, like, less than two hours ago. But uh, it, it does sound like a fascinating story. And you said earlier that you're writing these sober, but you have some books that you wrote when you were drunk? Oh, yeah. I was really drunk when I wrote my first books in 2006 to... 2010, basically, and it's the King of Obsolete series of living up here and freezing my tushy off. Okay, that, that's another thing that I, I found in, because uh, I was looking you up on 
Amazon because your books are available there. And uh, it says that you are the king of obsolete. And I'm a huge fan of obsolete technology myself. So how did you get that nickname? Well, I grew up with old-time equipment, and everything I did was obsolete. And the nickname has always stuck. Even when I was go- dating Naughty Natalie back in the 80s, I was still known as the king of obsolete. But I was 18 years old and looked like a 14-year-old virgin. And the name has stuck ever since. Okay. <laughs> and and th- you actually have a website, kingofobsolete.ca? Yes, it is. It's Canadian, so it's the .ca. It's been on the air since 2004, but now everybody is going away from websites because websites don't fit on your little phones, right? True. So you're, uh, you're, you're going to expand into Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all that stuff, or you have other plans? Well, we'll just keep the website going because I used it to load up my books as I wrote them because I do one-shot writing. The story is in my head, and it's one shot onto the paper. Nothing is corrected. That is it. It's done. There's no editing involved when it's time for publishing? It's just This is how it is, and that's what it is? Well, basically, there's no editing. Like You have your little lines and everything underneath the words, but most of it's the Canadian spelling using American um, template or whatever. And the book, uh, the sixth book, I mean, uh, the book Dominatrix School is 220,000 words I wrote. That was 34 days of nonstop writing. And I changed maybe six sentences or, or words, and that's it. It's one-shot writing. It's from the top of my head to the paper, and it's done. That's a unique way of doing things. Yeah, it is a different way of doing it, and I can get the stories to flow because these three books are written from 1984 to 86 and it all flows so the characters are all in there everything nothing has changed so you don't go back and add a sentence or change a paragraph or anything it's just one shot and it's done and the stories we're putting on the website were for the european ladies to edit them for me the european ladies yes so when you write uh, these books that i wrote to not in natalie series are written for ladies in europe to read and enjoy so we have to change a lot of wording. So airplanes in America will taxi to the tarmac, but in Europe, they don't taxi. You have to drive the airplane. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So the so these ladies will actually edit your words for you, for their audience. Yes, that is very true. I had a nice lady in Switzerland, and she is of Nazi German descent. And with her German background and changing it to English, there was some word usage that I had to change that would make sense when reading it in Switzerland. Ah, okay. That's a handy thing to have, uh, helpful and whatnot. So you've got uh, your, your King of Obsolete books. You've got Love is Trust. You've got, what was the, what was the third one? Dominatrix School? Okay, we'll start with the Not in Natalie series. The first book is My Wasted Youth. That's me growing up in a small town okay. and meeting Naughty Natalie. And then we go to the, so the second book in the series, which is Love is Trust, and I'm trusting Natalie with my life, and she's trusting her, and we're getting involved with the bikers. Okay. And the bikers in the 80s had very good respect for the ladies. Yes. And then the follow-up book to that is Dominatrix School, which is a failing military marriage. And the character that joins Naughty Natalie and I in that is Liz, and she's married into the bikers and the military. And uh, she would uh, be with you on your travels with, with Naughty Natalie. Yes, that is correct, because both ladies look the same, and Liz was a true natural blonde, so the drapes matched the carpet. Gotcha. And the, bo- the ladies had bodies that should been, yeah, the ladies had bodies that should have been featured in Playboy. That's how, they were natural beauties. No makeup, no nothing, this is the way we are. And the three of you hung out, rode bikes, and, and did whatever? 
Yeah, Naughty Natalie loved riding Harleys, but she was not a member of the motorcycle club. Liz, being older, nine years older than us, she was married in, so she had the leathers and could ride the bikes with, with the club. Mm-hmm. And we had the 37 Dodge that we picked up the motorcycles that broke. Because uh-huh. back in the 80s, these bikes broke all the time. Yeah. Okay, okay. And, and this is all included in, in your novels. Yes, it is. And it's very well detailed. Like if you're a retired police officer from Brandon, Manitoba, living in Nova Scotia, Canada, and reading these stories of what went on in the mid-80s, it all makes sense because I put a lot of hidden details and who was in charge and what we were doing. Eh? Oh, yes. Okay, okay. And so now you're currently writing the fourth book in the series. Yes, the fourth book, we have more motorcycles, hot rods, and fast times and stuff, but we also get more involved with the bikers. And in the parting ways of Naughty Natalie and I, there was a death in the biker relationships, and we've never seen each other ever since. Oh, that's sad. Do you have a uh, title for this? Well, not... Oh, not, it's not sad? Well, we kind of got a title, and, you know, like we've called it, Oh My, This Is Not Fun, because the cops seem to be busting us all the time, and we seem to be in handcuffs all the time, and it's not fun anymore. And, uh, so you're, you're currently working on that. When do you expect that to be out and uh, available for uh, reading? Uh, probably about two to three months because there's a lot of details with the bikers and the players involved and we have a few deaths involved. So I have to make sure I don't open a can of worms, you know, to end up in court. And, you know, my lawyer advertises after midnight. He's not that good. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I, I think this would actually be uh, pretty interesting for, for me and my brother because, uh, my stepdad and, and his natural dad was, uh, a biker in the eighties and nineties as well. So. Yeah, that was in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. So I'm sure I would uh, be familiar with some of the stuff, like uh, the pig roasts and, and the bikers and, and all that stuff. So I, I, I'm looking forward to diving into these books that you've written. Well, on the sixth book there, we call it the British Gentlemen's Club, because the biker club was the businessmen of Brandon. You have the military men that are serving our country as bikers too. And it was all style and class. Like there was never any bar fights. There was nothing, nothing of that. It was a gentleman's club, and the women were treated with respect. Well, that's that's amazing because that does, that's not always the case. Uh, I, I didn't see a lot of uh, r- respectful behavior uh, when when I hung with the bikers when I was a lot younger than I am now. But uh, there, there was some of it, I guess. But it, it sounds like you had a really good setup. Yeah, because Nani Natalie and I were just eighteen, and we were classified as the guests. Okay. And Liz, being a full member or patch, as they say, she had the cl- clearance and the criteria. And then her husband was in the military, and the military is totally different back in the 80s. There was no support for wives or anything like that. Okay, okay. So they, they took care of her in, in the uh, in the biker club. Yes, and then we were asked, one of the main things that people can't believe is her husband asked me to take care of his wife. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. that uh, there, there was a lot of... Yeah, and taking care of... No, I was just going to say there was a lot of uh, a lot of respect between uh, the bikers and their wives from from what I remember from well like thirty years ago at least. Yes, because if you're in the military and you're deployed, you know, for three four months overseas, um, how would you say that men are not allowed to fool around and they lose their house and their you know custody of their kids and everything and pay for the rest of their life? But in my books, I show that the women are allowed to fool around because they have needs. Correct. Yes, of course, of course. A woman does not feel guilty. Right, because there's an understanding and, and respect and, and agreements made and whatnot. Yes, a woman can fool around and there's no guilt because she has needs. And her man wasn't satisfying her, so she could go fool around. 
Liz started to in, uh, wanted to enjoy the company of Buff Boys, so I had to put a stop to it. And she hung out with Naughty Natalie and I because I was asked to take care of her. Because you were you were a trusted uh, friend of the club, I guess is how you describe it. Or yeah, it's basically yeah. Because we like I tell everybody that thirty seven Dodge Hot Rod was fast. We beat people on races. We smashed up cop cars, which was legal back then. We outran them. We did everything, but there was respect for the truck. Nobody trashed the truck sitting in front of the biker's bar with the Harleys or anything like that. There was respect back then. And are you still involved with uh, bikers of any kind, or has that uh, lifestyle totally been uh, abandoned? Well, the night that Naughty Natalie and I parted ways, we've never seen each other ever. We've had nothing to do with the bikers or anything like that anymore. I still have respect for the bikers of the 80s because they were respected members and it was a respected club. Uh, so the only thing you still have from that era is is that truck. That is correct. I saved it through all my divorces and separations, and the truck will not do 145 miles an hour ever again. <laughs> uh, but it still runs? It's, it's still You still drive it every day? or? Uh, no, we had it in 2015 on the road and driving it, but the roads up here are too rough, and the truck needs a total rebuild and stuff like that because it's like 35 36 years old now like rubber hoses aren't solid the tires you know are weather checked you know okay let's uh let's go back to the king of obsolete because i I really really like that title i i want to know more about uh that kind of stuff like uh how'd you get how did you get that name uh what is it that's obsolete that you are into like just uh just fill us in on a bit of your background with that Okay, so for us to start into business and everything, like we were putting up fertilizer plants in Western Canada, and I tell about that in my new book series, and plus we were in plane crashes. Like I was in three plane crashes in 12 months with the fertilizer company. Like we were crashing them all the time. So for a side job, I started doing scrap metal and using old equipment to get scrap. So I used a 46 Chevy 3-ton, a 1941 military cat with a crane on it, and I just kept growing my fleet bigger and bigger and got more and more into the scrap metals now that's all I own is obsolete equipment. And I'm famous around the world because, well, yesterday at minus 40 degrees, I drove my 39 Chevy to the grocery store to shop and drove home. And the computer didn't fail. Of course, because it doesn't have one. <laughs> that is correct. Exactly. So that, that's why you love that kind of stuff, because it's old, but it's reliable. Yes, that is correct. And I have a following around the world, like in Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. And my new books are translated into those languages. So it's kind of neat to see my book on a, somebody's phone in Argentina, plus 42 degrees, and this guy's reading my new book in Spanish, thanks to Amazon. Right, exactly. So are, are all your books uh, Kindle or PDF editions, or do you have paper copies as well? Um, with the Amazon deal, which kind of fluked out because the Manitoba government here, because of COVID-19, shut down all the publishers. So I went to get some more books printed, and the publishers that I've used for 14, 16 years are gone. So then some friends suggested Amazon, yeah, and some friends suggested Amazon, and I'm sitting there like, well, don't I have to have the book here in my hand to autograph it? Like, that's what people want. And then when you do the upload for Amazon, and then you see your book around the world, and then 10 days later, I'm number one on, on Kindle e-loads or and downloads, and I'm sitting there, oh my goodness, that is just shocking. A nice surprise, though, I'm sure. Well, yeah, and the postage in Canada right now with COVID, we cannot print off a customs form to mail my King of Obsolete books to Europe because the government says we can't print uh, that customs form because of COVID-19. 
As if. And it costs like $79 to mail to Europe. Oh, jeez. Okay, that's that's a bit much. So uh, electronic versions are probably our best option at this point. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is people in Europe um, bought the book in print in Europe, well, in England, for $13 postage. Amazon prints the book in the country where the book is bought, and they mail it to the fellow. So within three days, the fellow had three of my books sitting on his kitchen table, and he was reading them in print. Excellent. <laughs> that's, that's a nice deal. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a 10 by 30 shack down by the tracks like the Unabomber. And I'm going, this is amazing. Uh, the technology. <laughs> a lot different from the 80s, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it, oh, it's just unreal what we can do. Like, here I am talking to you on the computer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then. Uh, I just need a good drink in my hand. And everything. Oh, yeah. There, there's nothing quite like podcasting and having a drink at the same time. Yeah. But uh, 20 years ago, if I. I was sitting here having a drink and talking to the computer, but I think I'm a little too drunk. <laughs> a little crazy, yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the technology is, is awesome. P- people can have it printed out that same day. Uh, this, this episode will be edited and out pretty soon, so everything's a lot faster now than it was back then, I guess. The changes you've seen must be incredible. Well, yesterday alone, two ladies were in North Carolina deer hunting. They're in a stand, and they said it's chilly and raining. And the one daughter was reading my Dominatrix series book on her phone. I just couldn't believe it. When they sent me a, uh, what do you guys call it, a screenshot? And there's my book on her phone, and they're out hunting in North Carolina. That's not something you would have expected growing up in the 80s? Uh, No. And the thing is, the stories that I wrote, the Naughty Natalie series... Everything, I refer back to the food of the 80s mm-hmm. and VHS movies and TVs didn't have many channels. Nope, that's true. So do you have uh, a pretty close relationship with uh, all of your fans around the world? Oh, yes. It's just unreal. And I try to answer all my emails and messages on Facebook personally. Like we don't do the standard superstar star act or whatever. We try and ask, you know, to answer them and stuff like that. And also another thing, back in the 80s, I, in my stories, um, I did document and write the most that we went to bookstores lots to buy books and read books. Yes. And I'm, and this, and my dominatrix school book is written through my colorblind eyes. Ah, okay, okay. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, and that's a big, well, yeah, and there's a big difference because I don't know of any other authors who wrote a book viewing it through their colorblind eyes. Uh, I'm certainly not aware of any. Nothing I can think of, at least. Yeah, and the Love is Trust book was written in the heat of the summer, so Naughty Natalie was wearing the white tank top. She wore her bra on option or whatever she was doing. She wore it or not wore it. Her tight little shorts that she wore. But the uh, Dominatrix School book is written in the dead of winter, so these ladies in Europe know what it's like to be in the cold. Right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, So let's uh, let's do a little bit of promotion for you here. so if people go to Amazon, they can find you. If, if they go to kingofobsolete.ca, can they, is there like a purchase link from your website for your books, or is it strictly Amazon? Well, on the website, kingofobsolete.ca, I have the links to the Amazon sites. And then if you're Canadian, you can it'll change over to the Canadian site. Or if you're in the UK, it'll automatically change over to the UK. And then it directs you to Amazon. I'm learning all about Amazon, and I can see why they're a billion-dollar-a-year outfit because of the marketing they do and the programs they offer. It's just phenomenal. So you'd uh, you'd definitely recommend any uh, up-and-coming writers to uh, seek them out for their publishing services? 
Yes, but you have to understand that I have a huge following as the king of obsolete around the world, and I made sure that these books are the Naughty Natalie series when I'm an 18-year-old kid looking like a 14-year-old virgin. I never owned a shaving kit till I was 17 years old. And these books are written for women about women. Yeah, so um, Amazon is very nice. They put the stuff on sale. So, like, right now, there's the download free for five days on Love is Trust. So people say, well, you're not making money. I says, no. My first series of books, I, you know, paid three, $4,000 to have them printed, shipped to the end of the world. And then I had to sell them and then mail them back south to Australia or Europe. And, you know, that costs a lot of money up front. Amazon does everything for you. But you have to remember... If you're an indie author, your first time out, you're going to fail. You'll sell two books in the whole year. That's that's a good thing to know. Because <laughs> I, I would imagine that a lot of people... Yes, as well. They would expect immediate success. Yeah, because if you go on to the... Yeah, if you go on to the Amazon community bulletin boards, you can sit there and read. And a lot of authors say, well, I did everything. I got a fancy cover. Everything in my book isn't selling. Well, no, no kidding. There's 1.5 million books out there. Yeah, so there's a bit of competition. So... <laughs> You gotta you gotta hustle and promote and come on podcasts like this and let the people know. Yeah, and I'm not too worried. The way I look at it, this COVID nineteen made me write these books ten years before because I was going to write these books for my daughter so she could market me when I'm dead. Mm. And these are a tell all series. These Naughty Natalie series. It's a tell all. So if you were back there in the eighties and you can read the hidden messages, it makes my name clear with a few incidents and stuff like that. But I wrote these for my daughter, and if we make money at it. We make money at it. If we don't, there's there for people on Amazon to purchase around the world. Yeah, no, it makes total sense to me. That, that's kind of why I do this podcast, so that uh, when he's older, my son can listen to all these old episodes and, and uh, know what his dad was all about. So I, I totally get that. Hey, this is Dr. Trek, Larry Nimichek, and you're listening to Soul Forge with Sean Vanderloo. Yes, and my daughter's really pushing me to do this. And I can put 11 books easily on Amazon, like the Love and love is trust book that was eight days i wrote it oh wow yeah it's one shot writing so you don't go back and edit it or anything like that and you bang it off the dominatrix school that was 34 days of writing i stopped when i didn't kiss liz because she is married okay you don't kiss a married woman so i had those stories on my website people around the world said you didn't kiss liz you left us high and dry i said yeah i don't i don't i never kissed her so i had to stop my book on flying flying and plane crashes i was involved then go back and finish the dominatrix school. And it got so big because Liz is a woman of 27 years old and she's entering her sexual maturity, her sexual peak. So we had to make her a complete woman. That's why it became so long. And you wanted to be uh, respectful of the process and everything that went on, of course. Yes, and the ladies are always portrayed in a good light. And there's never any naughty words or anything. Like any time my male manhood was mentioned in the stories, it was my male manhood. Okay, well, that, that's fascinating. Yeah, because Amazon has censors. Oh, of course. Yeah, Amazon has censors and stuff, yeah. Like, Amazon has censors and stuff. Like, the ladies never had breasts. They had boobies. Now, I think you've convinced me. I definitely have to check out uh, some of these books. Um, what I'll do is, uh, in the show notes for this episode, I'll put the uh, kingofobsolete.ca uh, website link in the show notes so that... Uh, Anybody who's listening to this episode can just click on the link, find the links for your Amazon thing, and uh, get some purchases done. Yeah, and I find a lot of people enjoy these books. If it's female, male, or doesn't matter which country you're in, they seem to flow. Like, people like these books. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, yeah, is, is there anything else that we should uh, discuss? 
before we uh, we end the recording, or did we pretty much cover it? Do you think? I don't know. We can go on for another hour if you want. <laughs> hey, if you have if you have more to say, we could definitely talk about it. Uh, otherwise, we'll. Uh... Yeah, I just say that these are good books, and like they've been on out since September when I started writing them, and there's been no negative input or feedback or anything. And the way we talk back in the '80s, my old school telling of a story. It's a different lifestyle. And people locked down on COVID-19 right now are looking for an escape from the stressful times we have now. So going back to the 80s, when you're at A&W and you can't get health food, so you eat the lettuce off the burgers if you want health food. Right, right, because that's all there was. Yeah, that's right. You couldn't special order anything. They couldn't get a salad at McDonald's or A&W or anything like that. No, no, not in the 80s, that's for sure. Yeah, and another thing that also, too, is all... The small mom pops, sub shops, and coffee shops are now all gone. They've all been taken over by Subway and Timmy's and the big, the big chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the '80s were uh, a lot simpler and a, a more pure time. I think a lot, a lot better for people and the environment. Oh yeah, and the thing is, is we didn't have phones. You went and talked to people, and it was a simple lifestyle. Plus, people weren't stupid. And like when I say that, like we're in Calgary, Alberta, and we order an aircraft from Winnipeg, it arrives on a Sunday afternoon. There wasn't 300 texts, 400 emails. You phone from your motel room, you order an airplane to go to Vancouver, it arrived. You, you must miss those. You try, you try and do that today. Yeah, you try and do that today. Like I said, people didn't create drama. It was good times. And in the dominatrix school, we had to tell about the aviation industry back then. And an airplane pilot taking Viagra as a, as a wonder drug of the 80s, that shows up in his personal record when he crashes the airplane. Yeah, and you're in Calgary and your wife's in you know Winnipeg, she'd be a little concerned why you had Viagra in your system when you were in Calgary. Yep, that would def- definitely cause uh, some explanations to be had. So, yeah, and, and this is... Yeah, so we just flew around uh, the storm. And these are, uh, these are all uh, stories that are reflected in, in your books? Yes, it is. Awesome. Okay. I, I think our listeners are, are definitely going to want to check that out for sure. Yeah. And a lot of people have told me that these books, the way they're written, that is the movie script for a film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, like they don't have to make a film script or anything. Well, maybe uh, maybe it's time to contact some directors and see what we can uh, have done here. Well, you never know. And that's what I said. Like it's, uh, it's the history period. People like the history. People like bikers. And it's a love stories. And, and that, those are things that uh, everybody can get into. So, yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah, so we have the ladies with white tank tops. So that's around Cleavage. It's mentioned lots of time in the Cleavage. I, I can't see any issues with that at all. So <laughs> there you go. One of the favorite lines in the, in the book that I write is, Naughty Natalie was talked to the person with her Cleavage. That's an image. Yeah. Well, it was all natural body she had, and she didn't like wearing clothes. Oh, how unfortunate for you. <laughs> But the funny thing is, is I've seen her naked so much, it was Liz being older, wearing the black silk robes and stuff like that, and how she would tease me. That's what I remember the most. Uh, okay, yeah, I can get behind that too, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and it's the tease. Women like to tease, and that's what I said, women tease. Well, Joey, I appreciate you uh, joining us on Soul Forge and letting us know a little bit about you and your history and your writing, and we wish you continued success with all of your uh, efforts and endeavors. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I never thought I'd be a romance author or whatever, a number one on Amazon talking on you know, these iPods or podcasts. Nope. <laughs> Life is full of surprises, that's for sure. Yeah, because I'm known for being on Ice Road Truckers, a tough guy at the end of the world making it through, eh? Okay, so wasn't that a fascinating conversation? Joey is quite loquacious, 
I think that's how you say that word. He's verbose. He's talkative. He's got a lot of stories to tell, and it was fascinating. And that's just a half an hour, and we actually talked for another half an hour at uh, after uh, the main recording was done. Definitely a lot to say, a lot to talk about. I learned quite a bit of uh, different pieces of information about him. And, and the only thing you have left to do is go to Amazon and pick up his books, check it out, and uh, email me and let me know what you think of it. Maybe we'll have him back again another day. You don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. The world is full of surprises. Anyway, gang, thanks for uh, listening to another episode of Soulforge. We'll talk again next week with another fascinating topic. But until then, make sure you check out the Facebook page, check out the Instagram, check out uh, soulforgepodcast.com for all the social media links. But until next time, take care. And remember, everything you say should be true, but not everything true should be said. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Soulforge Podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated, and we hope you'll tune in again next time. Remember that you can visit soulforgepodcast.com for all of our social media links. And don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. The Soulforge Podcast is your best source for living your best life. Think about it. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.